Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Opinion or Opportunity. I am your host, Don Gringo. So today I have a controversial topic, um, one that I wasn't expected, but I'm glad I have it. We're going to talk about black America and racism. Yes, you heard it. And yes, I'm white and I get it. But I have two gentlemen, uh, Tony and Will, which I won't give their last names up. Um, they want to kind of remain a little anonymous because of the fact that, um, yeah, it's a controversial topic, right? So we're going to get into it. They both come from very different backgrounds, more of a revolutionary activist type background, but in their later years have ended up in a much, much different spot than they ever, ever imagined. So we're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about black America, and they're actually going to cite some sources and show some books and um, try to educate me and uh, anyone watching. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time as always. And thank you so much. Let's get into it. So I, I, I'm glad to have you finally both, but um, mm -hmm. I know we talked previous and we were going to talk about, about ground rules. I know you guys are like no ground rules, but let's not, let's not um, fool ourselves. There is the perception issue that we have to worry about here when it comes to me. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not saying we're, I'm asking for permission or nothing, but we're going to have a polite conversation. And yeah, tones, tones over there. <laughs> yeah, but tone, tone was just saying that because he didn't want you to have to feel like you had to hold back on any any questions or comments. We don't want you to uh, have to hold back or feel like you're going you're delving into an area. If you delve into an area that we wish not to discuss, like you said earlier, yeah. would you say well, we'll talk about that at some other date? Well, I'm not so much going to worry about the history of it. It's so much that we're going to need to worry about the the racism part of it because we're going to be talking, you know, uh, black history. So. Um, I just want to make sure that I don't offend anybody and offend anybody watching mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. Uh, so we just, I want to make sure we're having that discussion prior to actually delving into this. So with that being said, why don't we start off with one of you two introducing yourselves and, um, don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of what you do for work or anything like that. We'll get into that some other time, maybe, but let's get into who you are and where you came from and uh, what led you to where you are today, which I'm going to turn around and say is you guys are both now conservative black men, right? But you didn't start out there by far, right. by far. So no. we're going to talk about black history, which is what you discussed that we should be discussing and, and why that changed your frame of mind and, and the thing led you down the path it did. So why don't we start this? Let's do introductions. We'll go, William, you go first. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, my name is uh, William. Uh, some people know me as Ikemba in the movements that I've been involved in. They know me by my African name of Ikemba. And uh, my what we call our slave name, our traditional name is William Crowley, C-R-O-W-L-E-Y. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I put my hand <laughs> in front of it. <laughs> it's okay. Now, are we live or are this, no, this going to be pre-recorded? Right yeah, just go with it. Okay. You okay. can edit this, So anyway, right? uh, like, 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 like this. I'm not listening. We, we myself are going to do this as raw as we can, as raw as we can. Okay. Because okay. if I I'm edit better. this, Even I don't better. want people thinking I'm trying to make okay. this look better or sound better than the truth that you guys okay. want to talk yeah, about. Exactly. I like that's the way I like it. That's the way we like it. Okay. So anyway, uh, uh, 
myself and Tone come from different uh, persuasions or different different uh, ideologies in the community. But what we found is though, even though the ideologies are different, it's pretty much the same uh, liberal victim victimology or victim stance uh, viewpoints that we had. It's like the finger pointed outward that, that everybody else is the problem, primarily European or white society. Is the old well before thing. we get there though? Before we get there, you didn't reference your background, so just reference yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'll go into that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying our common backgrounds. So, uh, I started out uh, just in a small town. Tony, I mean, well, I'll let Tony deal with that himself. I started out in a small town called Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Uh, born in 1961, there, and uh, left there in 1975 to the great industrious Los Angeles, California. And that's where I had a, a rude or very, yeah, I guess you would say an enlightened awakening because at the time I was extremely impressed by what I saw of the, the black community there coming from a small um, white, and we, we usually refer to white people as Europeans, okay? You know, in, <laughs> in, in our movement. Right, right. Okay, so we came, I came from a small white European community which everybody got along, and I, I didn't never have the racial problems that uh, that I faced or that we talked about when I moved to California, in Los Angeles in particular. Okay, uh, now remember gonna, 1975. Stop. So let's mm -hmm. stop there for a second. So you were okay. The organization okay. was what organization? The Black Panthers, right? No, no, the Huru movement, which the is Huru the extension okay. of the Black, yeah, and which they essentially took over where the Black Panther Party left off. Okay, so we're going to stop there because we're not going to delve into that real quick. Now, Tony, your background, how did you, how did you start off? Because you're in the same boat. You're now a conservative black man, and, and it's not normal for today, but you didn't start out that way either. No, actually... Um I was born and raised in a little small town, Gary, Indiana, which is right outside of Chicago. Uh, so Chicago to Gary was like Tampa to St. Pete almost. Um, and there I, you know, went to school, didn't have too many dealings with uh, white folk, or I didn't have too many dealings with white people. I went to predominantly all black schools, all coming up, uh, public schools, you know, from from first grade, second grade, all the way up to my sophomore year in high school. Um, there, my mom moved us from Maryland, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, from Gary, Indiana to Maryland, uh, a little town called Laurel, Maryland. And when I enrolled in high school there, I was a junior. That would be my junior year in high school. And you talked about culture shock. Uh, I didn't see, I didn't, I never saw so many white people in one condensed area like I had seen in Law of Maryland. Okay, so, so right here, because you guys, I want to stop right here and ask you both a question, and I want you both to indi individually address this, okay? So, mm -hmm. two totally separate backgrounds so far, right? Two totally opposite ends of the world. One ended up in LA, one ended up on the East Coast, right? You got mm -hmm. one that was in predominantly a white culture. You got one that was predominantly in a black culture. So let me let me start with William because you started this conversation off with your your background. So mm -hmm. you said you didn't you didn't you weren't affected by racism as people see it today or as people are preaching it today. Correct? 
or even back then, because our, we you know, we from an ice little isolated community, and pretty much the blacks and the whites, even though there was it was what they call it de facto segregation in the sixties. Uh, de facto segregation. Even though we, we lived in our community, they lived in their own community, but we, we went to school together. There wasn't no, uh, I didn't attend the segregated schools or anything like that. We went to school together, and some of my best friends were white. <laughs> okay, so, so the culture shock in L.A. was totally different for you, right? Yes, it was. It, it was because I went from a, a predominantly white community to a L.A., which had, I mean, I come from a community, you know, a, a, a mixed community or white community, with one high school when I went to LA, inner city LA at the time in 1975 had probably 15 all black high schools. I didn't even see a white person hardly for the next stuff uh, for my high school years. Okay. So now Tony, now you come from a totally different background. So now we're talking, you hardly ever saw anybody until you moved out to Maryland. That was from a, a white culture. So, and you, right. you, you specifically called it a, a culture shock, right? So, right. So, me too. Mine was culture shock too. Right. No, yours was culture shock too, but I'm just trying right. – now I want people who are watching this because I want them to understand this is not me being ignorant. I want you guys to talk about it, but I, I want people to understand that when we talk of having this conversation, it's coming from intelligent people who are all talking, and it's not just you know, me you know, doing this. You guys are really coming – from opposite ends of the spectrum, but in later in life, finding yourself in, the, in a similar spot, not the same, but a similar spot. So Tony, talk to me about the culture shock. What was it like for you? Because he talked about a wild change from a small town and going to LA. So what was it like for you when you finally sourced, as you put it, so many white people in one place? Yeah. I mean, it was a culture shock. I mean, just the same, but, um, just the, the the way of living, the way they talked, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just, it was different. Um, everything they did was, it was a different culture. So it was, it, it took a lot of getting used to. Not to say that, you know, I was racist in such a way, but it, it just took a lot of getting used to, you know, as far as going from having absolutely no white friends to having about, uh, after my junior year in high school, having about maybe six or seven, you know. So uh, so, so it's a shock, but I don't want to say racism, but you're probably going to sit there and say, probably would agree it's more biases because of your upbringing and the culture that you were, grew up in, right? You're, you're kind of biased to the way you were raised. It doesn't mean it was bad. It just, that's what you experienced, correct? Well, yeah, and I really didn't experience a whole heck of a lot of uh, racism uh, until later on. Okay, uh, so, in, so in, with in that being said, day. with that being said, and you're speaking right now, because I'm going to get back to William on this, this is going to be great because we're going to get into black history and you're going to talk about your experiences. African, yeah. I, I want you both in your own way to define racism. Now, you can define it one of two ways. You can make it a one description, or as I probably would want to look at it is racism as it spoke going about when we were all kids and younger, right? To modern racism, because that's okay. really where we're getting at when we talk about black history, because there was a large paradigm shift over a small period of time, right? From the sixties right. till today. I and mean, we're literally talking like 60 years, 
Right. Right. So and let's describe, Tony, describe racism and in, in, as far as how you feel the definition should be. Well, what I always felt it was about was a bias, being biased to one's own uh, race, own culture. So uh, me being a black person saying, OK, it, or, or saying that it was race, it I would describe it as somebody being biased. Okay. You know, somebody that was, was biased because that was what racism was to me. Somebody being biased towards, you know, against another race. Right. Uh, now, when it came to being prejudiced, you know, in bigotry, that was something different. You know, uh, I don't like you just because, you know what I'm saying, I think that you you don't like me so I don't like you, you know, prejudice, but racism. So let me ask you a question. By your, by, by your, by your definition standard, I, I'm going to assume that you feel currently that modern racism is um, been confused and twisted between what racism and, and in your mind, what prejudice should be. It's now been lump sum together, correct? Right. I mean, and honestly, brutally thinking about it, everybody's racist. Everybody's racist in this in this in this uh, uh, country and in the world. It, how I feel about it, because there's not one person who doesn't go home and talk pillow talk to their significant other or to their friends to say, "Man, this cracker or this particular nigger or whatever, however you want to say it and put it." There's nobody that's gonna be not like that, and and so. When you saying when you say racist, everybody's racist. And by my definition of it, I'm saying somebody that's biased in their opinion about someone else. So, so let me ask you a question because we got to take that one step further. And I'm going to give William his turn to describe racism as far as he sees it. And, and whatnot. So, um, when you're doing it, so and you're saying everyone is racist, does that make everyone bad? No, no, not so at all. So how do how do you how do you come to terms with that? If you honestly believe that by your definition everyone's racist, then how did you learn to deal with that? Because we're we're talking modern racism, we're teaching younger generations when you hear the word racism that it's 100% bad like it's violence, right? It's and it's Racism in itself doesn't mean violence, but it, what people are taught. So how did you come to terms in your own mind with everyone's racist, but it's okay? How how one treats another, you know, and there and there and there's that that uh, I think there that that's even in the Bible when Jesus was, and I think it's in the book of Matthew when when Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, you know, he's he's talking about, you know, treat one as you would like to be treated or as if you would have them treat you. And what he's saying there, I think, in my own interpretation, I think what he's saying is that, you know, when you treat somebody as you would want them to treat you. I'm going to look at a man and judge a man by his actions and how he treats me. I don't care what you do. I don't care what's been said about you. What I care about is your actions and your actions towards me. What you're doing. Actions speak louder than words. Okay. William, define, define racism for you. I hate the term, first of all. I think the term that people use to play victim, because like Tony said, I believe we're all racist. I'm not, not I, I don't believe it. I know we are. We all, all every, everybody in this world probably has a racist notion in their body if you 
look at another race and you prejudge them, uh, I guess, more so in a negative way, then that's considered racism. Now, let, let me just say more on that. I attended what they call a conference against racism in Berkeley, California in 1991. And I was with the Uhuru movement at the time. And we essentially labeled it that. We said, we're gonna, we're gonna rid ourselves of that term because it's a, it's a very ambiguous uh, term that doesn't really scientifically identify the, the uh, crisis of any particular people. It's just trying to play the blame game. So we actually ridded ourselves of that term. And I didn't even become familiar with that term until I moved to Los Angeles uh, from the small town of Excelsior Springs where you know we didn't even use the word racism. Uh, if we did, it was, you know, just in, in, a, in a very casual way where it became a, a more of a scientific approach in California, I guess, uh, because uh, it was more uh, uh, prevalent. It was more useful for people to, to use it to justify their own weaknesses. So, for instance, we say uh, black people are being targeted by the police. Well, my question would be, OK, black people being targeted by the police. Did we bring that on ourselves? Did we did there's so much crime in our communities that when the police come in our community, they're going to have to be on their guard because there's so much crime in the communities. And now, who's committing that crime? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there for a quick second because this is, uh, you know, there would be some people that would say that, again, that was a governmental thing and how, you know, the white people. Cointel Pro. And, Go ahead. I mean, I'm, I know you're laughing, but there's a lot of people out there that would be huh. of the African American and white people that would agree today. Because I got to admit, you know, watching the the paradigm shift on on this, especially during the riots and whatnot that have you, you know, you can't we can't sit there and say that even though it's happening in the black communities that it's all black people, um, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of crazy white people out there doing the same shit with them. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to be vulgar, but that's exactly what it is. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would say it's still still the white man's fault for for creating the ghettos and cr bringing in crack. And, you know, they were the ones pushing it into the black society. I mean, yeah. seriously. Okay, I mean, let me, let me say, what? But let, let me, me, let me start right okay. there. Let, let me start right there, because you were saying, yeah, they were the ones who were pushing it into the community. But that's just like a young female and a guy. When she gets pregnant, whose fault is it? Is it the guy for pushing, you know, his cell phone hard? Is it her fault for opening her legs? So at the end of the day, you have to look at it and say, you know what? Uh, yeah, it, it, they might have taken advantage of the situation. But at the end, it's our fault for falling for it hook, line, and sinker. We were the ones who opened up our community. If, if our community was strong enough, then we wouldn't have opened and we would have had some type of community organization to say, no, we don't want this in our community. And, and we would have fought against that. But we didn't. We just let it happen. So who's really, when you look at it at the end of the day, who's really the, the person that's at fault? So, yeah. And, and, and so we come up with these fanciful terms of Cointel Pro and then uh, the biggest drug pusher in our community, the U.S. government. But as Tony said, which I agree with, they can put all the drugs in the community they want to. If we're taking it, then we're the fools for taking it. So we can't tell them to blame, oh, they put it in our community, so I had to take it. No, they may have put it in the community. It's financially rewarding for them. It wasn't financially rewarding for us. But if you go back historically in African history, Black history, we have made a lot of extreme financial mistakes. Okay, well, we're going to get into black history here in yeah. a second, but I got one. I know, but, but 
No, 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 no. Okay. I want. I know what you're saying. We're going to get there. I want you to explain history because you're going to touch on all these subjects. I know you are. We're going to. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know you are because you. This mm-hmm. we've been planning this now for like two weeks, and there's a lot to talk about. This is a. This is like the moment because no matter what happens, this is. This is eleven uh, five, and the presidential race hasn't been done. And we both know, no matter who wins, there's going to be rioting in the street tomorrow. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think the, the the right is going to be rioting. If the left doesn't win, I'm for sure they're going to be rioting. I don't know about <laughs> the right. I really don't. I really don't. Okay. Well, we're I mean, I think that, they're, so they're, they're going to make strategic moves, but I think it'll be more, you know. Uh, Academic approach. Well, we're going to get there. We're going to touch on all the hot buttons of modern society. But let me ask you this, and we're going to stop here with the racism and start with the history, right? So, mm-hmm. by both of your by both of your definitions, um, you know, I want to I want to sit there and say today, um, because I don't think today in a modern culture, right? And I, I want to say my generation and older, and I'm 42. Okay. Um, my generation and down um, is not the same generation that we grew up in. Um, what keep, you, what's that? We're baby boomers, right, Tony? Yeah. Well, I'm a baby boomer, 61. Yeah, I just uh, missed it. <laughs> okay, what, what is your generation, Chris? What's your, uh, Don uh, Greenberg, what what's your X? generation? What am, I, what am I, generation Okay, generation X? X? Something okay, like that. Okay, I just so want to make sure. I was born in 78. I mean, I just had my birthday last month, so I'm 42. But regardless, so... I look at the modern the modern thing today, and I think that there's a lot of older generations that, you know, they have the old hatreds that are in there. But when you look at society today, like I'm outside of Fort Hood, there are not that many people who are of a single race in this in this town. It's a military town. You you travel the world, you find love all over. I mean, more children today are mixed than they've ever been, and the future generations are going to be worse. So. I guess what I'm trying to get at is there really a future for racism? I think I don't think it ever really existed. I think people just have just used it strategically racism. I don't think it's ever really existed because I've never seen it. it when I grew up in California and when I grew up in Excel Springs, Missouri, both places, I didn't see this racism. I think the media played a huge role in in in, in, in raising it up, and then the masses of the people latched onto it and used and figured they could use it for strategical moves, especially uh, victimhood in, in the inner city. Okay. And you Tony, can get a, you know, let's get, let's get Tony's Tony. What do you think? There's a future for racism or what? Um, I kind of agree with what Will is saying. Uh, I don't think that racism ever existed. I mean, when you break down the word race, you know what I'm saying? According to how they would have you think about it. Race is, you know, I'm black, you're white, he's Hispanic and so on and so forth. So if, if you want to look at where, you know, racism, okay, everybody, that's why I referred to saying earlier, everybody is racist because, you know, how else can you look at it? Right. But what is prevalent, you know what I'm saying, is prejudices, uh, uh, greed, you know, that kind of thing, you know, different biases from one group of people to another. But how I really look at it is, people taking advantage of the situation. Uh, How would you think about it, Don Gringo, if you were consistently playing the victim role, consistently being helpless and, you know, look at what they're doing to us and versus a person, you know, who's 
Oh, not in the same boat, but you know, they're they're trying to find a job or they're whatever, you know, uh, uh society is giving them, whatever cars is dealt to them, you know, at, at some point you get tired of that. You get tired of somebody playing the victim role all the time and you want to say, Hey, listen, man, get up off your ass and do what you need to do instead of sitting back trying to, you know, get a pity party all the time. That's yeah. how I look at pity it. Party. You, well, take I advantage think, of them. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at this. I don't I don't think there I don't think there's going to be any room for racism, period. I think in the future generations and God bless them. Um, I don't think there's going to be um, racism anymore. I think what we need to do as a people is just stop labeling everything. Right. And, you know, um, no, for instance, my wife is Mexican. She's a green card holder. You know, when she gets naturalized, she, sure, she'll be a Mexican-American, but she's naturalized citizen. She's not born here. And I think the problem we have is we've gotten away from uh, an American culture where it's America, right? Well, let, let me go on record right now and say this. I'm American. I'm not African-American. I ain't, you know, whatever. I ain't Chinese. I'm, I'm from America. I was born here, I was raised here, and I probably got a lot of roots because my granddad was Cherokee of the Cherokee uh, Indian Nation tribe. You know, he, he was very light-skinned, had green eyes, had that kind of hair, lick his fingers and slick his hair back. So that's where, this is where my roots are, right here in America. So I'm American first. Okay. You know, I'm of the color persuasion, but I'm American <laughs> first. Okay. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad you're saying that. I mean, more people need to think like that. And I think if we all started saying, okay, you know what, we're all Americans, and but we live differently. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But there, I think also too, and we're going to get into the history because I really want to get into the history because you know schools teach us one thing, and we know it's it's definitely different, right? So uh, we're going to get into that. But I think I think the problem here for society today, besides labeling, is stereotyping. I don't think people are really against a particular culture by nature. I just think they're against stereotypes, that they learn to hate certain stereotypes. And I think that's something that's been you know, pushed for too many generations, stereotypes that, that shouldn't have been, right? I mean, seriously, uh, you can't be really mad at an entire culture. You can't be totally mad at an entire segment of society. I mean, it's like, how? I mean, I just don't understand that. It's not me... Being any, no, trying to be, um, I don't know, the white person trying to be, oh, I, I'm all in this. I'm going to be the first one. You're going to teach me a lot tonight. Um, I'm going to say, well, this is what I learned. And you're going to be like, nah, man, that's absolutely wrong. And I'm going to be like, okay, thank you. There's the ignorance part, but that's what you're taught, right? So I think one of the things is, you no, know, I think personally we need to stop labeling. I think we need to stop stereotyping. And I think we need to have a uh, an, an American identity of some sort, which we don't have. Because when the crap hits the fan in this country, whether it's 9-11 or whatever have you, we tend to come together as a nation and come together fast, right? I mean, it's yeah. not something that you're, you're prejudiced today or racist today and then something bad happens. And overnight, I mean, it's like everyone all of a sudden is singing Kumbaya, right? I mean, it's like, come on. You know, why can't we do this every day? I mean, you don't have to, you know, love your neighbor 24-7, but you can sure the hell get along. So let's start with the history. So who wants to start with the history here? I'll let Will go ahead and get in on it first. Uh, okay. And I'll just listen. 
Because okay. he seemed like he got a lot of stuff he wanted to get off his chest. So. <laughs> Will's sitting there twirling that pen. He's he's writing stuff down. Woo, Will's waiting. Well, now you know. I want to make make sure. I want to make sure people understand it. I'm not. None of us are trying to be experts on history or anything like that. This is based on our own experiences, uh, and we. I think we both went been through a lot in our community to be able to have some type of a viewpoint to share with older uh, and younger generations and even generations of our own, you know, level or whatever you want to call it. But, but I think that, that it's been advantageous for me because I've experienced both the liberal side of our community. A lot of people would refer to that as a civil rights movement aspect and then the black power movement aspect. And now the conservative aspect, and this has been a bitter pill for me to swallow because it was easy to sit around and blame the white man for the system and blame, blame, blame everything else but ourselves. And then when we review African history and black history, we always look at look at all the positive stuff that our people have done, all the positive stuff from the building of the pyramids, from the uh, 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 the medicines in ancient Egypt, Ethiopia, Nubia, uh, you know, from teaching mathematics, sciences, everything that we, that, that, that are in history books that says that black people, African people, whatever you want to label us, uh, contributed hugely to civilization. So I'm, I'm a, I was a big fan of that. I mean, I've read books such as Sheikh Anthony Joe, Civilization of Barbarism, and uh, I forget the other title one, the other one that he had, Tone. Uh, but um, Sheikh Antajop, uh, Dr. Henry Clark, Dr. Ben, uh, uh, Ivan Van Sertema, all, the, all these uh, African historians that have really painted a, 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 a great history of Africa. And so that's what, you know, uh, I've been dwelling on for the last number of years, okay? But I come from the revolutionary side that essentially said, we, you know, we can use history, but we don't want to be stuck all in theory or ideology. We just want to say, OK, how can our African history contribute to our freeing ourselves from an oppressive society, current society? Because we are indeed an oppressed nation and everybody else is holding us back. Have we contributed? We contributed about this much to our own oppression. And the external pressures are huge. That's the impression that we get in the movement, okay? Whether it's in Tony's movement of the Nuwabians or, or the, 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 not the Hebrew Israelites, but uh, the five percenters, et cetera, from mine dealing with- Nation of Islam, all of that. Yeah. yeah. 